0: Go to sylvan29.com to learn more and get your child's assessment for only $29. That's S-Y-L-V-A-N-29.com.
1: There are many different paths you can take, but there's only one road to Atlanta
2: drive deep out to left field he clubbed it Brady twisting and turning looking up and giving up it's a home run for Danby Swanson Flare out towards shallow right that's big trouble Albies going back he dives and he makes the catch what a play Ozzie Albie. Swanson is headed for three he'll try for an inside the parker relay throw comes toward the plate he'll score standing and it's his second inside the park home run of the season this is your weekly podcast Dedicated to the Atlanta Braves farm system. Follow the show on Twitter at Road2Atlanta. the Number two, Atlanta. Now, hit the road with your hosts, Eric Cole, Gaurav Vidak, and
1: Garrett Spain.
2: Ladies and gentlemen, welcome to the Road to Atlanta, a podcast devoted solely to the Braves farm system and Braves prospects. I am one of your hosts, Eric Cole. You may recognize me for my work over on TalkingChop.com, where I've been the deputy site manager for better part of three or four seasons now. I keep forgetting is exactly when that that guy I got that title. And I've been the minor league editor since 2015. You may follow me over on Twitter at Leprechaun with a K. You'll get mostly baseball takes occasionally, just my bad takes about the world at large, but mostly baseball. Joining me as my co-host, as is often, if not most of the time, you can follow him on Twitter at bravesmilb one Garrett Spain. Garrett, how are you, man? I'm doing good. Excited to talk about, uh, the news we got coming up in a second. Yeah, it's, uh, been a interesting couple of, been an interesting day for sure. Uh, for those who aren't aware, the most of the minor league season ended this past week with a couple notable exceptions. Uh, and rather than trying to, we're we're going to be doing Team by team, like end of season breakdowns, but one team just finished up and we'll talk about them in just a second. And the Gwinnett Stripers are still playing. Uh, just kind of an oddity of the schedule this year where the AAA schedule is going to continue on for the rest of this week. And is it, is it done at the end of this week or is there one more week after Garrett? Do you remember?
1: I do not remember. I think it's, I think this is, I would assume this is the last week.
2: Yeah, I think I remember saying it was two weeks. It would be
1: weird for it to continue longer than the MLB season. I don't think that, that would happen. Yeah,
2: yeah. It's, I, I think you're right. I'm just kind of losing my track of dates and times and all that good stuff. Um, so that kind of gets into the news of the day is that the Mississippi Braves won the A South Championship. Congrats to the Mississippi Braves. Uh. Pitching held up for the most part, got enough offense here when they needed it. Uh, really well-pitched game in Game 5 by Alan Ronhell, of all people. Um We actually have a couple of people asking about Alan Ronhell from the mailbag. Uh So, uh Garrett, uh, share your thoughts a little bit about the both what you saw in the playoff series as well as kind of what you thought about just kind of Mississippi generally without going too deep.
1: Yeah, I mean, late in the season this year, you know, they had so many pitchers turned up there, so many good starting pitchers turned up there that they really, I mean, they had a really, 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 really formidable um, pitching rotation. And then when you combine that with, they have a bunch of power bats in there that can kind of get you runs in bunches, and it was just enough for them to get it done this year. I mean, they, I believe they had the best record in the A South this year for the whole year. And I mean, I think that it was an interesting series but overall I think that they kind of, they deserve they were the best team and they kind of deserved to win that.
2: Yeah, absolutely. I mean, we saw some good pitching performances from Spencer Strider. Uh, again, Ron Hell was really good. The bullpen was its usual excellent self. Uh one particularly bad game uh <laughs> which was a, a 14-2 loss, I believe what it was in game 4, but overall, I mean, we saw CJ Alexander show out in the playoffs. Uh we saw Grayson Janista who, you know, did basically what Grayson Genisa does. He either strikes out or he hits home runs. Uh, in this particular case, it was fortunate that he hit a couple home runs that were, came up in some pretty big spots. Justin Dean played well. We saw some good performances from Trey Harris. One guy who did not perform well was Braden Shoemaker, which is a real shame. I think he had like a, like a just over 200 OPS for the entire series. Small sample size, but it's also kind of gets back to some of the questions we had about him. It's just kind of, you know, is there really an impact that – how good really is the hit tool? And he's had just a really, really tough season. So hopefully he kind of gets back on track. But there, most of these guys – I've almost said all of them uh, – most of these guys are headed for an offseason just to get some rest, a well-earned rest. But at least one – I don't think we have anyone else. I haven't heard anything else. But one guy in particular – Still has some work to do, and that is one Spencer Strider. Uh I reported earlier today that Spencer Strider has been promoted to Triple A Gwinnett. He will be pitching, as far as I've heard anyway, he's been pitching out of the bullpen uh for the stripers. Uh I have also heard that Anthopoulos came down uh to watch a very recent start of his to to get a look at him. I don't know if maybe they just have him at triple A to one just get some more innings, he hasn't pitched a whole lot, but there's also the matter of just over the last couple of years. He pitched uh, he's at 93 innings, I think, for the season. I will say that I am a little bit skeptical that they might make a move to put him into the major league r- roster, just because to get him on the playoff roster would require several hoops to jump through. Putting a guy in the IL, and then you have to petition the league because he wasn't on the playoff roster. You know, past he'd be being put on past the cutoff date, so like there 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 have to be some real injury concerns there, things like that. But at the very least, he's going to be around Equinette getting a. I assume at least a couple of appearances out of the bullpen for Gwinnett just to kind of see where he's at as a bullpen arm or at least get him a little bit more work. So Garrett, when you heard the news kind of, what was your thought process?
1: I mean, I absolutely think that he's better than certain members of the Braves, um, relief core right now. I mean, there are definitely guys at that level that I think that he could not guaranteed be better, but has a chance to, you know, he would have a chance to do it. I, I don't, Like you say, I don't know that it's likely that they make that move. Um, I'm actually kind of interested that they are giving him more innings. I thought that he would be a little more limited to about 80, 85 this year, but they really just kind of let him go and let him get loose, which he did have really a whole, he's two years away from Tommy John. And even though this is his first full season, he is still quite a ways away from it. So it's not like rushing him back or anything, but I'm, I'm glad that they think that he is fresh enough to keep pitching, and that kind of bodes well for him going forward as, you know, next year they can kind of completely pull the reins off and say, go out there and do what you can, and we can see him try to earn his way back – earn his way onto the major league roster at some point.
2: Yeah, he certainly doesn't look fatigued. I mean, even in the playoffs, the fastball is set in 96-99, a lot of life at the top of the zone. You know, the, 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 the change up in the breaking ball, like, you know, they, they have their good nights and bad in some respects. Those are still pitches that we knew he was working on. They've both gotten significantly better, uh, particularly the power, the power breaking ball, um, this year. So I, I don't hate the move. Truly, I don't. A little bit surprised. Like there's guys that, that, at that double A level that if you're looking for relief options, it's kind of hard. Like I mean, Indigo Diaz didn't look particularly great in the playoffs. But, you know, there's guys like that you might want to get a look at, maybe maybe Indigo, maybe a Brendan White, uh, maybe even like a Troy Bacon. I'm a little bit surprised that those guys, at least as far as we know, aren't getting a look at Gwinnett. We don't know for sure. Uh, that's yeah. kind of an important thing to note here is that we don't know that other moves aren't being made. Uh, we'll find out for sure. Uh, the we won't, But we won't know for at least a day or two because, in, again, another oddity of the schedule. Most of the season, the universal day off for the minor leagues was Monday. It was for all levels. There was just no games on Mondays, which is one of the reasons why we record this podcast on Monday, so that way we can kind of wrap things up at a, at a relatively natural point. However, for these last couple, for the last couple weeks of the season, Gwinnett is off both Monday and Tuesday. Uh, not really sure what the wrinkle is in that schedule. Possibly just allow for guys to get called up to the Big Wood Club if need be to kind of, you know, give them some travel time or whatever. Uh, just to kind of get some lead into the final week, couple weeks of the season. Who knows exactly what, what that, what went into that decision, but overall, Hard to be upset about seeing Spencer Strider pitch some more. Very curious to see what he looks like out of the bullpen. I'm not sure how much more you can really ask a guy at the end of the season to be reaching back for. But it's a really, really live arm. It sounds like AA has been looking at him in person. And that could be at least an option for the Braves if something were to happen last week of the season and they need to call up a reliever or something like that. Maybe they know that there's someone that maybe needs replacing. Who knows? Overall, though, really excited to kind of get to see him in Gwinnett. Hopefully he shows that well in a bullpen. It's worth mentioning, too, that the transition from starter to bullpen isn't just like an automatic thing. And for all we know, that's just maybe it's something that just doesn't suit his sensibilities. So worth keeping an eye on, but really excited to see what he does there in Gwinnett. So for those who aren't aware, this episode is going to be a mailbag episode. We've had to do a few of these because, you know, the, as things kind of wound down, we're more kind of want to address these big picture topics rather than just simply running down the levels and talking about what happened in like in this particular case. For for this episode, it would have been literally just the Mississippi Braves playoff series and then some Gwinnett Stripers games. We want to kind of get some big picture topics and we really like getting all these questions. Uh, took a little bit more solici- soliciting this go around to get some questions, but you guys really came through uh, in spades this afternoon and now we have a whole bunch of questions. But the first one, Garrett, this is an interesting one, uh, was uh, from a long time reader actually, uh, which is that they would like to hear about our impressions of the ma- minor league coaching staffs. Have you, have the recent changes been positive beyond the AA manager drama? What do you think, Garrett? What do you think, what do you think of these coaching staffs?
1: Yeah. I mean, I think that there's a lot of talent on the pitching coaches. Um, I mean, those guys have done work for, for, have done great work for years. I mean, we've talked plenty about, uh, Mike Maroth this year, what he's done. Dan Meyer's done a good job. You know, he took over as the, um, he took over as the manager for, um, Mississippi and led them to a championship. So obviously he did pretty well there. Um, you know, overall, you know, we don't, uh, know, I guess, a ton about, I mean, I don't, you know, I guess the hitting coaches have been fine. I mean, we don't, it's hard to judge coaches at the level because there's so much that goes into it with roving, with guys moving up and down and, um, roving instructions and stuff. So it's hard to judge too much, like, on the pitching, on, you know, what these guys do. I mean, I think overall, I, I don't have, like, Anybody in the system that I look at and I'm like, wow, I don't think that guy's doing a job. I, th- I think that at every level this year, guys made the strides that they need to make, and overall, I think it's a decent group of guys. I mean, especially on the pitching coach side, I, lo- I love the pitching coaches that we have.
2: Uh, yeah, it basically takes the word out of my mouth. I don't think necessarily that we've seen incredibly crazy gains on the on the hitting side uh, in regards of like approach and things like that. But on the pitching side, I there's clearly a plan in place to what they want their pitchers to do, the game plans that they want to put in place, and the pitches they want to develop, right? But implementing that is tricky, and I think that you know Dan, I mean Dan Myers, obviously great at what he does, and we've been big fans of him when he was at Rome, then he moved up to High A, then he went to Double A this year, and he took over and he helped lead that team to a championship. Um, Mike moroth has been good at both c- coaching the guys in Gwinnett and getting them kind of right while he has their, his hands on them. Uh, he's even been helping out some guys in the major leagues on the, in the major league club from time to time too. So really, really good. I, I was a little bit worried on the pitching side, uh, especially when um, in, this was this was again at the end of 2019 when Dennis Llewellyn uh, retired because he's a guy that was very highly thought of as a pitching coach and. Losing that level of talent from your organization as a coach, you wonder a little bit like, wow, is this, you know, is this going to be kind of a step back for the organization? But it seems like that the guys they have in place, particularly at the upper levels, really, really know how to kind of coach these guys. But on the hitting side, again, it's just, I don't, you know, Vaughn Grissom was a success story, obviously, and we've seen, and you know, Michael Harris has performed well, but we don't necessarily see particularly great turnarounds on the, on the hitting side. I don't have a great answer to that though. I don't think that there's like these like hitting, there's a ton of these hitting gurus out there that are, you know, can like turn guys careers around just a flip a flip of a switch. And for hitting, it's just like, there's a lot more incremental type stuff and kind of targeting the right guys, you know, with the right bat, bat, bat paths. And like, it's something that takes a lot more time to implement those sorts of changes and those sorts of gains. So overall, I'm happy with the, the, the minor league pitch, uh, coaching situation. The, 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 the one that you can point to and you really wonder a little bit about is the Augusta Green Jackets, but there's a few things to realize there. One is that I don't think that any manager is going to do – any manager or coach is going to be able to do a whole lot with the level of talent that was at that at that level. And like, the Green Jackets still promoted a whole bunch of players this year. That's kind of an easy thing to forget. I mean, like they – multiple pitchers were promoted from the Green Jackets. Um, You know, it – They had, they lost offensive talent from there as well. They got promoted up the ranks. It's not something that's an easy thing to do when you're a low-way affiliate. You just, all the guys who perform well, they get moved up so fast. What happened with the Green Jackets is they just ran out of good players. So that's, again, overall I'm I'm happy with the changes that were made largely. uh, it was, but disheartening to kind of see what happened at Mississippi. It sounds like that there were some—I uh I wouldn't necessarily call it a mutiny—but there were definitely some issues with uh, like the health protocols that were being put in place. A lot of tensions around that club regarding you know what had to be put in place and what wasn't going to work, what what needed to be done, and things like that. I, I don't know the whole story there as to why ultimately that the manager left, and then the, I mean very quickly into the, into the season. But Demai did his work, did his job. He took things over, and he again led that team to a championship. So hard to be too upset at all for, with what happened uh, on the, on the minor league coaching staff side. Um, So here's the next one. And we can kind of, we don't have to spend a ton of time here, but what do we think is a fair future expectation for Jake Higginbotham? Uh, friend of friends of the website. We've had, I have in fact interviewed a Jake. He's a, a, a great guy. Uh, one that I'm super I'm um, rooting for highly. So, uh, Garrett, kind of just what are your general thoughts on Higginbotham so we can uh, move on to the next one? Yeah, I mean,
1: with any reliever, it's always just like, what can you really expect out of him? There's just so much turnover with those guys. I mean, he's a guy that you look at as a guy that could fit in a middle relief role in the future, you know, and, and that's a – you want as many of those guys as you can. He was fantastic this year. I mean, he didn't give up a run this year after he came off the – um Injured list, I would not be surprised to see him get time, maybe promoted to Gwinnett, maybe time in the AFL this year, just to kind of see what he can do, because he did have significant, he only had like less than 12 innings this year, you know, so yeah, I mean, I look at him as more of a middle relief prospect, which has plenty of value, you know, especially getting him as a late round pick.
2: Yeah, I can definitely see him as a a major league reliever for sure. Uh, The stuff plays up. He has a high baseball IQ, knows how to pitch, is really competitive out there, knows how to throw strikes. The thing about him is just being healthy because, I mean, when he was at Clemson, he had uh, a couple injuries that were, like, pretty, like, catastrophic. Um, uh, He he got hurt uh, lifting weights there and just, like, couldn't, you know, ended up not being able to pitch very much until kind of late in his college career after being a pretty highly regarded pitching prospect out of high school and then getting injured this year. Missing most of the season. So I'm with you. I'd love to see him maybe get some time in the AFL. I really like Jake a lot. I think that he, I think that's, I think that's a major league arm. I just have to make sure that he stays healthy. And that's just going to be the question with most relievers, right? It's just, you know, can he stay on the field long enough to really be able to make a substantial impact? Cause this, there's just, it's, there's, it's very hard to kind of carve out a role as a reliever if you can't consistently make appearances. So we'll see. Uh, do like Jackie's relief arm though. Uh, Next question is, what do you think the season Kyle Wright has had at AAA this season? Do you think he has finally progressed and will get a shot with the Braves, or will they make him a possible trade candidate this offseason? Garrett, Kyle Wright, again, has teased us. What do you think? Yeah,
1: I mean, I think if the Braves wanted to give him another chance, they probably would have by now. And and that's not to say that they won't give him a last-ditch effort next year, but I think with the amount of turnover they had in that pitching staff this year, if they won, if they thought Kyle Wright was good enough, they would have given him a shot, and they just didn't. And um, you know, I I'm not gonna say that any, you know, he's reasonably young; he's still 25, so there's time for him to figure it out. But I mean, I don't think that I think he's mostly worn out his welcome with Atlanta at this point, and I, I don't know how with all the guys in the system i don't really know that his future is with this organization i mean there's still talent there there's still talent to be a major league pitcher there i just don't see it with the braves
2: i want to believe that like mike Moroth got him to be consistent and to has put in and i know that i mean he certainly put in the work to improve that's that's not the question with with kyle it's just that We've seen this before. The second half in 2019, he looked lights out. He looked ready to go. And he basically had a rotation spot handed to him for the 2020 season, and he did nothing with it. Nothing. Could not make the rotation. Like Robbie Erlin and Tommy Malone were getting starts, and they would not put Kyle Wright in to start games. That's how bad it was. And, he, again, he's, he's had opportunities over and over again. The first half of the season was not good at all. Uh, and he's looked good in the second half. I'm not going to deny that whatsoever. He's looked particularly good of late. But I am currently in a I'll believe it when I see it because he has been a tease before. And I've said for a long time that once he's especially, you know, after two times through the order, but even the first time through the order, you know, he looks fine. And then the second time through, things get really shaky at times. And then if he see if if guys see him more than two times. He gets torched. He just has been. Now, again, has looked good. That hasn't necessarily been the case the second half, but we've seen that before until I see him actually kind of pitching deeper into games and it not being a total, <laughs> like a total adventure. I'm in the mode of, hey, he pitched really well. He has this draft pick pedigree. Maybe this is a guy that we try to trade for some real value uh this offseason. That's kind of where I'm at with him. I I think that they should make him available. I, I imagine he has been available as a trade candidate. We'll see if they end up that's what they the path they end up taking. Uh I actually really like this next question. And uh based on what I'm seeing Garrett type on the screen here, uh, I think we're on pretty much the same page as to kind of who yeah, you know, I, I would have to really think about kind of a general uh, an actual order for this other than number one. Uh, I I feel very strongly about number one on this list. But we were asked, uh, can you rank your top five Braves minor league pitching staffs from the last five years? Uh, Garrett, I'm just going to let you take it away. Uh, I might share some notes here and there, but beyond that, you you do your thing.
1: Number one for us is obviously the Rome Braves in 2016, which is right on the five-year cutoff. So this is the last time we can say this. Um, I mean, that rotation was so good. Soroka, Toussaint. Freed, Allard, um, Ricardo Sanchez and Patrick Waggle. I mean, there are five major leaguers out of that group. One of which has been a centerpiece for this team. One of which is if he can get back healthy, could be another centerpiece of this team. And then, you know, a few guys that have had, you know, Allard has had a good career, has had a good season with Texas. Last I checked, I actually haven't checked in a while, but so I hope he hasn't done really, really bad lately. Um, and then. You know, Toussaint still has potential. Don't know what he's going to be. Sanchez was decent had he not gotten hurt. You know, I mean, that entire rotation did quite well for themselves. To only have Sanchez be the only one that didn't make the major leagues. And I even think that he even got a couple of innings one year. Or that might be someone else that I'm thinking of. But anyways, I mean, that team did really well. Um And then the other guys, they're kind of just – all bunched up together. This year, um, Rome and Mississippi, you got to kind of combine them because they all had the same guys. They all had the same guys, but, I mean, Mississippi this year had Bryce Elder. Nolan Kingham was fantastic for them. He did not do too well when he got to Gwinnett, but he was fantastic for them. Uh, Jared Schuster, Spencer Strider, Freddie Tarnock. I mean, all of those are really good pitchers. And, you know, Alan Hell pitched really well for them this year um Darius Fines down in Rome I mean there were so many guys that went through those two levels this year I, I mean it was incredibly impressive the amount of guys that they have they have at those middle levels and it's kind of like it's kind of where we were a few years ago where there's kind of a log jam and it's going to be like which one of these guys are going to step up and then the previous years it's kind of just been like either a step up from the 2016 Rome team where they all kind of went up or a step up from that 2017 Rome team, and we'll start there. That draft in 2016 was fantastic. Getting Anderson, Wentz, and Mueller up top, which Mueller did not pitch for them that year because um, he he was a little bit slower going. He had you know the mechanical issues that they had to fix, but they had um, Wentz and Anderson right off the top of the draft at that team. They had uh, Bryce Wilson, who was 19 years old on that team, who's hasn't had a great major league career, but was really really good for a while and still has potential there. Tucker Davidson, had yep. he not gotten hurt would almost certainly have a rotation spot and could, I mean there's three guys between um or two guys between Anderson and Davidson that could be in the rotation next year. Legitimately, one of them will be, the other one could be, you know, Davidson was really fantastic that year cuz we knew nothing about him, right? And then he comes in, he's really great in the bullpen and we're like, "Hey, this 19 19- rounder he could be something and then all of a sudden he pitches he starts and he's just lights out for the whole season we're like oh okay this is a steal right here I mean that was a really really good rotation you know I and it really I mean having four you know they had a, Ron hell as well they had four 19 year olds in that rotation which just is incredibly rare to have um yep. and then back-to-back years in Gwinnett uh, were the ones that I was looking at. 2018 Gwinnett, I'll have to actually get, I remember it was very good. I looked it up earlier, but I have to scroll down to get the actual pitchers that were on the team real quick. Um, Allard made make the most starts for the teams. Allard was, Colby Allard was really, really good for them that year. Um, and this was, I mean, he was still 20. Uh, Mike Soroka made a few starts for them, but he was up in Atlanta pretty quick that year. Lucas Sims, Matt, Max Fried, Matt Wizard, these were all Luis Johara. These were all like, this is six, seven legitimate top prospects that pitched on that team. Kyle Wright got starts. Toussaint got starts there. Like they didn't have anybody that played there all year, but they turned out guy after guy after guy after guy into that rotation that was really, really good. And then the next year, they came right back with another fantastic rotation. Um, and I have to scroll down to that one too. That was again Allard pitched well. He kind of regressed from the previous season, but pitched. Fairly well for them. Kyle Wright, you had Bryce Wilson coming up. Um, Patrick Weigel got stars for them. Um, Waskari Noah, before we knew how good he was going to be, uh, made some stars there. So that was, I mean, to have, to be able to name five pitching rotations that good in the last five years kind of tells you a lot about how good the Braves have done about drafting and developing these guys. And it hasn't fully worked out at the major league level, but like a lot of these guys are still like trying to figure it out. And this could be, I mean, a lot of these guys aren't even ready yet. And that's, there's a lot of potential to get, there's a ton of great guys they've had come through. Yeah.
2: uh, I definitely, I'm, I'm with you on 2016 for sure. I mean, that team won the champ, the championship on the back of that pitching rotation. (laughs) You just kind of look at that 2016 ro that 2016 Rome rotation and you're just like that, like, Patrick Weigel was probably the best player on that team and the guys below him like are all major league contributors if not more than that, right? <laughs> like that's kind of wild to me I because mean, maybe Patrick was amazing that year. Uh, I think people kind of forget that. He won I think that was that the year he won pitcher of the year. I think it was because he moved up two levels. Um was really really good that year. A, a rotation that it's kind of easy for us to forget about, just because it was kind of a tragic story, is this was the pre-bus crash Carolina Mudcats rotation. Uh a lot of guys who aren't around anymore necessarily, and I'm not necessarily trying to gauge what was the best pitching staff in terms of overall major league talent necessarily. But that team pitched really, really well. Uh also had some really good defenders on it. It's also the, the team that had Connor Lean on it that where we fell in love with him because he was like getting outfield assists every game and he was basically running around there like he was Mike Trout for like half a season, but you know, run around hitting home runs, stealing bases, getting outfield assists. Looks like he could do everything on the field. Uh and then that ended pretty quickly once he was promoted one more level. But Again, that was actually that was a I I really enjoyed that Carolina Mudcats team. A lot of uh, guys who just kind of pitched well, played well above their heads in terms of their overall talent. Um, So for the next question, uh, and this is a fairly straightforward one uh, in terms of you know the answers, but uh, certainly not an easy one to parse. Is if you have to pick one, Vaughn Grissom or Shea Langilleers, who do you pick?
1: This is such a terrible comparison to like even. Because it's compared to completely different players, like, completely different times of their career, completely different style of players, like, it's just, I mean, I think for this organization as a whole, like, for the Braves specifically, Lingaliers. because they... They don't necessarily trust Contreras fully, and they need a catcher going forward, whereas I think Grissom is, when he gets to the major league level, probably going to have to fight for a spot um, unless they let Dansby walk and think that Grissom's the next shortstop, which who knows what's going to happen at this point. I, I don't think that there's a wrong answer here. Um Overall, they're going to be like back-to-back on my prospect list. And I honestly don't even know at this point who's going to be above the other one. But I think that for this specific organization and how they're building going forward and their window of – their competitive window, I think it's Langleyers.
2: Yeah, i picked pick Langleyers too. Uh, I'll have Langleyers ranked higher than Grissom. Uh, He's closer. There's real upside with him. Um, I think that people kind of forget that too, the power. That kind of power from a catcher. You know, even if there's, like, legitimate concerns about, like, how much the hit tool plays, that matters significantly less with catchers. And a catcher with his defensive ability and how many, how many games he's made with, you know, game calling and, you know, all of those parts of his game, in addition to, the, like, the significant thump in his bat. I mean, hitting, like, 20-plus home runs playing for Mississippi is no joke because that, that part eats home runs. And now he did a lot of damage against, like, Pensacola and places like that, but he... There's real power in that bat, and for a guy who's been moved pretty quickly through the system, that 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 is heartening to see. We still love Vaughn Grissom. He's just further away. There's more questions. He just he just got to high A. the The easy answer here is Langoliers, but that doesn't necessarily mean that we don't like Vaughn long term. You know, we want to see is he going to be able to stay. At, stay it short as he continues to get stronger. You know, is he going to continue to move well or is he going to have to move to second? Is he going to have to move to third? Is he going to have to move to the outfield? We think he can hit. We're still wondering how much the power plays. We are optimistic about all those things, but that there's still work to be done there. So if you're picking right now today, the answer is but I don't think either Garrett or I are going to be surprised that if like, you know, in a year or two that he could change our minds and we'd be wanting to keep Vaughn. He's, but he's not, Vaughn is not a guy like Acuna where like you just, Pick him no matter what. It doesn't matter how far away he is. It's it's so obvious that he's gonna be a star in the league. Between these two guys, you know, and in Vaughn's case in particular, we think he could be really, really good, but he still has work to do. And, you know, same thing goes for same thing goes for Langelier's, but in Langelier's case there's a lot more certainty at a position that is really, really valuable, especially for this organization. Um, next, uh, we have uh, – th- this one will be actually fairly straightforward, too, is uh what kinds of players of the organization have a surplus of and a deficit of? Put another way, what is the strength and weakness of this prospect pool? Uh, we actually covered this on the, the Twitter Spaces discussion that we had with the Ballet Sports guys, in particular Zach Dillard who ran that. That was a lot of fun, by the way. So, Zach, if you're listening, thank you, and if you weren't listening to that, you really – uh, next time we do it make sure you guys get a chance to take a look at that that was a really fun discussion Uh, so Garrett uh, where, where are the where are the surpluses and where's the, the deficits for this organization
1: um the guys I mean the uh, the excuse me here the organization has a ton of power arms um they just drafted Cusick they, and they just drafted Schwellenbach um they've got Tarnock, Strider, just tons of guys that can just uh, – Muller guys J- that can just get up there and sling it. They've got a ton of pitchers, and we talked about it earlier. There's so many guys that they're going to have to make some decisions there. Um, they have a good – their three top prospects are all outfielders uh, in terms of Harris, Waters, and Pache. Beyond that, they don't really have a, anybody that's like – jumps out at you. I mean they have – but I mean – you don't really need anybody beyond those three, right? Like, if you have that many good, you know, legitimate top 100 prospects, like, that's a real strength of your system, even if, like, there's not a ton of depth in terms of guys that we think could be major league players. Um, and then outside of that, I mean, there's really, outside of Grissom, there's nobody in the infield that we're, like, super high on. Um Obviously, catcher is another strength. Having two catchers at the level of Contrash and Langleyers is, is – extremely big even if one of those works out that can set your team up for you know the next decade with a catcher um but yeah I mean middle infield infield in general is a weakness for them I think outside of you know corner outfielders they really don't have a ton of guys you know all three of the guys that are top of the system are guys that project to center fielders and if you move them off of that it significantly impacts their overall value but you know that's kind of where I am I mean Infield as a whole is just there's just no one there really.
2: Yeah, I mean you only have Grissom at kind of that premium position. I mean Ambioris Tavares is the guy that we need to kind of highlight too. Is the guy we're not exactly sure where he's going to stick long term. We haven't even got a chance to look at him as a pro yet. So that's something that's kind of worth considering there. Uh, but the quarter infield positions in particular. There's no, like, first base guy, like, it's some, some massive power bat that's super exciting right now. Um, the one they did have was Bryce Ball, but he had a terrible season with the Braves, and I, I've, I haven't looked in a while, but he didn't, hadn't looked particularly good with the Cubs either. So, that, again, that, that, that's kind of a disappointing area. Not something that you necessarily need in your system. Uh, but I will say that we still don't have Freddie Freeman excited to an extension yet. So, you know, we will, we will see whether or not that, turns into an issue later on down the road. Uh and at third base, again, I mean some may end up as a third baseman long term, but there's not like that kind of there's no there's not a pedigree there of guys that are uh guys that third that are particularly exciting. Again probably doesn't matter all that much right now because Austin Riley's kind of turned into the guy that we were hoping he could be. He's had a fantastic 2021 season, but they haven't, they haven't gotten those guys, but you know, the outfield seems really, I mean, obviously they have a ton of starting pitchers. The outfield does look good. Again, Tyler Collins is another guy that I've mentioned in that spot too. Really, really young, still need to kind of get some more eyes and kind of see what he does against more advanced pitching, but there's a lot of talent there, but it's kind of those infield guys with like real upside are, it's kind of the weakness. Whereas again, catcher, the outfield starting pitchers. Then they also have some some plenty of good relief prospects too, for that matter. So that's kind of where the strength of weaknesses, is, at least as I see them. Um, Next question is, will anyone else other than Strider from go from Mississippi to Gwinnett this week? Um, Again, I'm not uh, particularly certain they are, but I'll let Garrett share his thoughts before I share mine.
1: Yeah, man, I don't, I don't expect it. Um, It's, Usually, it's like one guy or two guys a year kind of earn it. I don't see anybody hitting-wise. All those guys on that Mississippi team kind of stayed healthy all the year. Shoemaker had a couple of injuries, but overall, the team stayed healthy, so I don't think that there's any of those guys that you're like, well, i got to get this guy more at-bats. There are some pitchers like Higginbottom that we mentioned earlier that you could move up For the most part, again, the relievers kind of got a lot of innings, so I don't know if the Braves would want to push them and, you know, get them to 50, 60 type of innings. Um, I could see Tarnock getting some time if they want to go that route. He only had like 73 innings this year, so he's a guy that I could see in the AFL or at AAA this year. Um, Just kind of see what – you know, we don't know his health situation, right? We don't know how he's feeling, so it's not – we don't have enough information to know that that would happen, but I could see it as a possibility. But I don't see – I don't expect a ton of moves, maybe one or two. We definitely think – you know, obviously you have Strider, but beyond that I don't really think that – there might be one other guy, but I don't think that it's going to be like a wave of guys coming up from that team.
2: Yeah, uh if anything, again, I don't see any of the bats making that move, but I could see a world where maybe some of the – maybe a reliever or two, right? Like instead of just Strider, maybe – you get Indigo in there. Uh, maybe if you want to get innings for Victor Vodnik in the bullpen, you know guys like that, I, I could see it happening. It's really interesting to see Nolan Kingham throwing out a of the bullpen for Mississippi, by the way, in the playoffs. So maybe that's a maybe that's a potential option for them too, since they've, he's already made the move to AAA once. Maybe he's a guy that you put in there, and kind of see as a potential relief option if you really need one. But beyond that, I just don't see a, I don't see a ton of movement being made for that. I know that people really want to kind of see that exciting move to AAA, but again, that's just not the that's not the kind That's not the kind of move that I would necessarily endorse for a lot of these guys. And, you know, just let these guys get some rest. They played really hard. Uh, they had a playoff run, so let them get some rest. Uh, one more question before we go to our break, and we'll kind of try to keep this one short. It's another either or, is you can only choose one of Spencer Strider or Freddie Tarnock for the rest of your careers. Who do you pick? Garrett, who do you pick?
1: I know your answer. I, it's a 1A, 1B situation. I don't. It it's so they're it's so close. I mean, I would go Strider is the safer bet. Um he's more likely to be a major league player. Um Tarnak has maybe a very, very slightly higher ceiling. Um I it's another one that I haven't really decided yet, right? Like I'm gonna have to look at the prospect list in a couple months and go, which one of these guys would I rather have? Right now. I would lean towards Strider and it seems the organization leans towards Strider a little bit um but again it's so so close at this point that it, it's it's hard to really figure out which one you would ra- rather have
2: Yeah I the, the pick is Strider for me I love what Frey Tarnak has done this year but I, I'm also remember how much he struggled with his command. And there were certainly some wrinkles of that happening in his time in Mississippi as the season went on. And this is with him not pitching a whole lot of innings. So again, love to see the development there, but you know, does he, is he able to continue to make, continue those gains with his command over the course of a longer season? Whereas in Strider's case, you know, he's held that velocity. The the only issue he seems to have is just with that, if he kind of misses in the zone and all of a sudden his stuff gets a bit more hittable, but I mean, Holding 96-99 late into the season uh, as a starter with that power breaking ball and that, and, and an improving changeup. I think his upside's higher than Tarnok's. I think that he is better than Tarnock right now. They both have some question marks, like in Strider's case, it's more of a question of, you know, he has that injury history. Is that going to be an issue? We don't have a ton of track record of him as a pro, so is he going to continue to do this? And in Tarnock's case, he has a track record as a pro, but not a lot of it wasn't very good. So for me right now, I'm, I am think Strider's the better player. I think there's more upside, and I just think that overall that's the guy that I would want. But I'm very happy that they're both in the Braves organization, and I don't have to pick right now. Uh, before we go on to the last few questions, we're going to take a quick break to listen to our word from our sponsors. All right, Garrett, we're going to try and knock some of these next questions out because uh, somehow we've only managed to almost go 40 minutes just for that first half. (laughs) So we'll try to get through these pretty quick. Um, So for the next question here, with another year on the books, what do you see as the most realistic outcome for Christian Pache as a hitter? And what is his realistic ceiling? What do you think?
1: I don't want to approach the ceiling thing because I don't honestly know. Like he has – a ton of talent. Like he could legitimately be not like a top hitter in the league, but he could be an extremely valuable bat. I don't think that that's particularly likely. I think overall the expectation would be a slightly below average hitter, which sounds disappointing, but with his defense, if he's a slightly below average hitter, he's like a three or four win player every year. And there's a very you know, there's a pretty good shot that he's average or above average. I mean, with his, if you can, if he can tap into that power and hit 20 to 25 a year, it's fairly hard to not be an average hitter when you can hit that many home runs. You know, overall, again, I see him as a 90 to, you know, a 5 to 10% below league average type hitter. But as good as he is on defense, I think that that's more than you need from him.
2: Yeah, uh, I kind of see him as kind of, uh, right in that 95 to 105 WRC plus hitter, uh, for me. Uh, I really like the gains he's made. He's quicker to the ball, uh, he's doing better on pitches inside, and the pitches that are out away from him, he's either, he's being able to extend his arms in a way that are, that is useful, rather than simply trying to pull everything that he hits, hits, he's working the ball the other way better. Look, again, real gains for him. I'm, hopeful that you know going after an off season where he like continues to work on those things that he'll be kind of I think he'll end up being that average hitter with that defense you know that's you know a very very valuable player particularly in center field which I don't think the Braves have a particularly great center fielder right now so that would be a very positive outcome He's just a guy who can hit reasonably well um as for a of ceiling I mean like again imagine a guy who hits maybe 280 he could steal I don't think that they'll let him steal enough to to do this, but maybe he's like a twenty twenty five steal guy uh, in a in a really good season, and you know can hit. I think he could hit two eighty as kind of like that's the best case scenario. I think like three forty OBP, and again with twenty twenty five home runs. That's what they have, that's like that top level outcome. The other thing about understand about Christian Pache is like you're. You're dealing with a world class athlete. This guy could play literally anything. Uh, but you, how those tools manifest themselves on the field, you know, in terms of his physical gifts, I mean, this sky's the limit for the guy. But realistically, as a hitter, like that, like, you know, that kind of that two that 280, 340 guy, uh, again, with hitting some home runs, that's like a, that'd be a crazy good year for him. Uh, I don't think he'll hit that well. I think he ends up being like a 95 to 105 WRC plus guy with gold glove defense. Um, and I think that there's power in that bat too. So that he'll have games where, you know, he, there's, the, the nice thing about a guy like him versus a guy like Ender and Ciarte, uh, even in his prime is that Ender was never a guy that was gonna like really threaten the long ball very much. But in Pache's case, he's definitely a guy that could do that. So overall, that's kind of where I'm at with him is just a guy who's really good to defensively and is probably gonna be kind of like an average hitter. And that is a very good outcome, uh, when you have a, a set of fielder of that caliber. Uh, next question is what happened to Muller at the end of the year, given the lack of faith in, the, lack of faith in a fifth starter the last two turns. Surprised he wasn't back with the big club. Uh, some of that was timing, I imagine. But I'll let Garrett kind of take the, the take it the rest of the way.
1: I don't think that anything happened to him. I just don't think that his spot in the rotation really lined up. Like that's kind of how they've been promoting guys the last two years. Whoever's up in Gwinnett, have fun get get on the bus. You're going to Atlanta. Like that's just it. Um, I, I don't think that there's. I'm not reading into him not getting promoted because I just don't think that it matters. Um, I don't think it's a lack of faith in him. I don't think that it's them thinking that he's, they're disappointed in him. I think that they just were fine with him developing at AAA and he needed the development at AAA and you know, it just never lined up again for him to make a major league start and that's fine. I, I, I am perfectly okay with him finishing out the year at AAA because I just don't think that he's fully ready to take over as a full-time starter.
2: Yeah, I think it was a situation, particularly not this past term, but the term before where, like, he had pitched two days before they needed a set starter. So it was kind of like that he wasn't available, and then that kind of put him on track to not be available again. And, you know, combine that with just, you know, them trying to figure things out with what they have on their roster right now, you know, it was kind of unfortunate where, like, you know, they thought Tukey was going to be their guy that was starting. Unfortunately, he had a family tragedy. So once you find out those things, but, like, a guy gets – you don't want to necessarily throw Mueller off what what he's been doing and throw him out there off his, roti- off his routine either, uh, particularly on a West Coast road trip. That makes it particularly difficult to make things – to kind of bring up a guy. So – I, I don't read much into it, right? I just I just don't. I think that they have some things that they want Kyle to work on, and they decide that the benefits of bringing him up to make those starts, uh, were not outweighed by, like, the detriments in doing so, and plus they felt like they had some options that they were willing to work through, uh, particularly pitching that bullpen game, uh, in, on, on that West Coast road trip. So, it seems to have worked out, uh, but I don't think that anything necessarily happened to Mueller, if that makes any sense. Uh, next question is, who is your minor league player of the year for 2021? Garrett. You pick one guy in the system that is your guy. Who is he?
1: Von Grissom. He was the best he, of, he was the best hitter in the system this year. I, I mean, it, it's no question for me. I don't think that, you know, uh, pit, player of the year, position player of the year, Vaughn Grissom, pitcher of the year, Bryce Elder. Pitcher of the year isn't even close. Bryce Elder was so much better than everybody else that he is far and away the pitcher of the year. Um,
2: but yeah, uh, see, year, I, I, I don't know if I'd say that he was far and away better than was over. Good. I mean, Strider was really good. Tarnock was really good. But Elder also pitched a ton more
1: innings than those guys, which is why I'm factoring in. He pitched a ton more innings, got to AAA, never allowed hardly any runs. Whereas, you know, a lot of the other guys kind of ran into issues at upper levels. Oh, Essie's damn. Never mind. I, the, I'm going to have to think about this one. Grissom, I'm pretty confident on. Um... He was just the best hitter in the system overall this year, so it's pretty easy there. It's between him and Langoliers. Um I think Langoliers will probably end up winning it, um, like when they do the Organizational Players of the Years because, you know, he's a bigger prospect and he is closer to the Major Leagues. They tend to favor those guys. But Grissom was just, you know, a better hitter overall this year, so I would have gone with him. Um, on the pitching side, it's between Elder and Joey Estes. Um, I'm, again, going to go Elder. Again, higher-level He kind of pitched all year. I like Estes a slightly bit better. You know, as a prospect, I like Estes better. But, yeah, I'd go with Elder as Pitcher of the Year. But it's really – now that I think about it, it's a lot closer than I thought.
2: Yeah, there's a lot of good candidates on the pitching side, right? Uh, overall, Player of the Year, I'd still probably go Bryce Elder if I'm just being honest about it. Uh, I'm with you on the position player with Vaughn Grissom. I really like what he did this year. Um, I, I would have no problems with giving the award to Shea either, though. Again, with kind of his offensive profile as a catcher, that is really valuable thing, and he was incredibly fun to watch. Both develop as kind of a game caller as well as controlling the running game the way he does was a ton of fun. Um, Elder was just he. I think he kind of gets lost a little bit at times uh how quickly he ascended the ranks as well. Uh Started the year at Rome and then just blasted his way all the way to AAA, and he's looked good at every single stop. He's looked better as he's gone on as opposed to, like, early on in, at Rome, like, he was kind of, like, just a lot of ground balls and wasn't a particularly exciting guy. But over, he started missing more bats, and he just kept getting better and better and better as the year goes on. Went on. uh Seems like a really valuable guy. I'd, I definitely would give him the award, even for overall too, for that matter. uh But I'm not going to discount. I mean, like Sp- Spencer Strider getting promoted three times. What Freddie Tarnock did. Um, I, I don't think it's particular. I, I like Joey Estes too, but I don't necessarily think he's further away. Right? Like he was. He was kept in Augusta. I want to see what he does against. More advanced hitters before I start really kind of jumping in on the bandwagon on him, even though I think he looked really, really good. Uh, he's certainly had his hiccups in, in, in Augusta as well. So, but overall, like again, I'm, I'm with you, Vaughn on the position player side, um, with again, Shave being right there too. Uh, and then in terms of p- p- pitcher of the year, I'd be going with Bryce Elder, uh, with guys like Spencer Strider, Tarnock, all those guys in the running as well. Uh, next question is: What was your biggest surprise of the season? This is gonna be a lot of Spencer Strider questions. What biggest surprise this season, good or bad, in the Braves farm system? Garrett, what was your biggest surprise?
1: Uh, yes, Spencer Strider was definitely the biggest surprise. He was fantastic. You know, good surprise. Spencer Strider. Um, Freddie Tarnock would be kind of right behind there in terms of a good surprise. Estes was a big surprise. Um, even Grissom to an extent was a pretty surprising how well he did. Um, bad surprise. It's Brayden Uh He just wasn't very good this year, um, and that's just unfortunate. We really thought he would hit, and he didn't, and that's kind of the one. Him and Trey Harris were kind of the two guys that overall I thought, yeah, I expected a ton more, especially Trey. I really expected a ton more out of Trey Harris, but I don't think that he was overall as highly regarded as shoemaker, which is why I would consider as a little bit more disappointing overall this year.
2: Yeah, those would be my picks too. It's just like, you know, Spencer Strider, we didn't even have him ranked before the season uh because we just thought he was, again, we thought it was a relief profile. We would not necessarily fault the Braves for taking a shot on a guy in that fourth round of a five-round draft uh, if they really thought highly of him as a reliever, but it's just not the, not something that we didn't, certainly didn't think he was going to come out pipe in high 90s as a starter and being promoted all the way to AAA in his first pro season, right? So that, again, that was very exciting and certainly very surprising. Um The, Trey Harrison, we we really thought that Mississippi team was going to hit a whole bunch, uh, and they were going to be really really tough to deal with. And Justin Dean had a good year this year, and you know Shea was obviously good, but the rest of that team was like kind of suspect at times. And I think it's you know they won the championship basically without um, a ton of contributions from Trey Harris, who was one of the Braves' better hitters in the organization back in 2019, and then. Uh, Braden Shoemaker, who, again, we really thought was going to hit, and he just, ne- he had one and a half good months this season, and that was pretty much it. Really, of yeah, disappointing for him. Um, another guy that was a, a good surprise, the, 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 Jesse Franklin experience for about two months there, where he basically was hitting home runs every other game, was a lot of fun. Again, that was a guy who hasn't played a whole lot either, you know, dealing with injuries and, in, you know, during his time in college. Then obviously the 2020 season gets, uh, knocked out because of COVID. He comes out and looks really bad the first month. And then like for two glorious months, uh, you know, Brad Roland was smiling ear to ear the entire time as he was going wild hitting home runs. Definitely cooled off in the second half a bit. Definitely seemed like he got gassed, but that was a really kind of a fun thing to sit him him and kind of explode onto the scene. Um, so the next one, and I, I think we're just going to confine this just to this year because it's kind of almost too much information to kind of go through for right now, but it's certainly worth something evaluating as like an article for long term. Uh, So for 2021, who were your biggest misses on prospect evaluations, either too high or too low? Uh, And again, we will not, Spencer Strider is the too low answer here, but, (laughs) but uh, give us your other answers, Garrett.
1: Oh, I see. I had prepared for a few years. We haven't like, We've been doing this for twenty since 2015, which, like, there really isn't that much time. Like, we're still only on, like, the second wave of players coming through the system. So we haven't, like, had a ton of, like, huge misses. I know early in our days we had guys like Lucas Sims that we had high, Tukey Toussaint. Like, I don't want to judge guys on 2021 and be like, well, we were way too high on that guy. Because, like, it's one season, one weird season. It's hard to judge. I think... Obviously, Strider was the too low. I would say that coming into the season, we were way too low on Bryce Elder. I think we were even too low on, on mid-season. I think I either I was either the highest ranking or I was the highest ranking and then was like, oh, maybe I should dial that back a little bit because I went really aggressive like early and then was when I re-ranked, I dropped him a little bit. We were too low on Bryce Elder, but too high. Really, the only guy that I think significantly lost prospect status this year was Jacelle de la cruz um which we probably should have missed mentioned in the previous um answer because we thought like this is a guy that's going to contribute to the major league team this year and i just don't know if he's going to contribute to the major league team ever and you know health we don't know what his health is he's um he's the guy that i have the biggest concerns about going into next year because i just don't know if if that's a guy anymore and i just He's not the player that I thought I would feel that way about last year. He's the guy, you know, last year I thought, wow, this is a guy that I love. And now it's really hard to kind of see the path that he's taken.
2: Yeah, I think Garrett nailed it on the, the, the two low guys, uh, for too high, uh, a couple things that I, I kind of, I've harped on this a few times too. Uh, I do think that we were too high on Makai Backstrom. Um, I know that we had like, you know, just in terms of the limited information we had with kind of, Love the bat speed. Love the power. I think he, I think he could be an impact bat going forward. But we, I think we were jumping on that train too early. Uh, the numbers in the Florida Coast League weren't particularly great. And, you know, you would expect a guy with, you know, to be an impact bat. You know, you don't want to see a guy striking out that much already. Um, maybe it takes him a little bit longer and he just has to, it's just, it's going to be a long process for him. But, you know, given where he's at right now, I do think that we are too high on him um Victor Vodnik's another guy too and I have had kind of reservations about Vodnik for a while now it's like I love the arm and I was particularly excited to see him starting for Mississippi but wasn't able to hold up over the course of the season and was dealing with injuries and a guy for a, a smaller guy with his build throwing as hard as he does that certainly was a concern going into the season and I think we maybe again a guy that if he you know figures it out You know, could be an incredibly valuable starting pitcher, but that's also a guy who has a lot of reliever risk. And we kind of were really excited about him, possibly a little bit too early until we actually saw him try to, you know, stay on the mound for more than a full season. And unfortunately, he wasn't able to do that this season. So those are kind of like my guys, but like again, that's those, it's still early for a lot of these guys too. That's worth mentioning, right? Like a lot of this changes constantly is like we just maybe we're like in the moment we were too high or too low, but that doesn't necessarily mean that those rankings were right or wrong long term. Um, it's just kind of in the moment, it's kind of making those decisions in, in that moment. I don't feel like that those, we, like, for example, if we think a guy is too high or too low right now, that could change next year because this is, the, these are very volatile things, right? So. I don't want to necessarily say like, wow, we really missed the boat. You know, Jesse L. De La Cruz is never going to be, you know, going to be a major league pitcher or, you know, Victor Vodnik is definitely a reliever. But in the moment right now, that's kind of where I'm feeling on it. Those are kind of where I, I, I kind of feel about those guys. Um. So next question. Uh, I knew we were going to get at least one Ron, Alan Ron how uh, question, and we actually got a couple. Uh, I just decided to pick this one. Um. Does Alan Runhell have a future moving forward as a possible major leaguer, or is he hopefully going to or is he going to end up as a quad A type? I assume part owner of the Rome Braves, Alan Runhell, had quite the season this year. Uh finally left the city of Rome uh, onto Greener pastures uh, for AA Mississippi and pitched well for them. Garrett, uh what, what do we what do we think of Alan Runhell? Yeah, I mean,
1: I, I'm not even so sure about Quad A because it took him six years to be like a double A type. I mean,
2: <laughs> he's been around a long time. He's not that change, old though. It's just kind of wild.
1: I, about it. Yeah. I do. I'm going to be honest with you. I would be very surprised if he is with this organization next year because he should be a minor league free agent at this point, right?
2: I'd have to look at in terms of if like, whether or not he's and, a free agency or not.
1: And I think whenever he is a free agent, if I were him, I would leave the organization because there's so many pitchers ahead of him. I don't see him being able to progress with this team. Um I. I like the changeup a lot. I think it is a major league pitch. I don't know if the fastball is good enough for him to pitch as a middle reliever. Like, is that fastball going to be good enough to let that changeup play up? I don't know the answer to that question. He could be a major league player. Um, He could definitely be a middle reliever at the major league level. Um, He's not a guy we're ever going to look at as like a potential impact arm or anything like that. But I mean, his changeup is good enough, you know, that, if the fastball is good enough and the command is good enough, yeah, sure. I mean, he could pitch at a major league level. I mean, Lord knows Josh Tomlin has had a job this year, and he's looked horrible. So, I mean, it's – those guys, if you have one good pitch, there's a good chance eventually you will find your way onto a major league roster. It's just – I don't know if it's particularly likely for him, but I could see it happening.
2: Yeah, I think he's a talented player. Uh, I think he made big strides this year. And I am hopeful that he gets a chance, but I tend to agree with you that if he is a major leaguer, it's unlikely that it's with Atlanta. Um, and, you know, what that means for him going forward with the organization, I, I don't have a great answer to, but I, I tend to think that he's right now, either like in a middle reliever or in kind of that quad A type where, you know, a guy that maybe can make a spot start for you if you really need him to, or a kind of a long relief type guy too. those are all options I think are available for him. But, Fantastic season for him in Mississippi. I'm really happy for him. You know, he's a guy that we kind of, you know, we meme on him a little bit, particularly with Wayne, because it seemed like every night that he was pitching, Wayne was recapping him. But, and it was absolutely true that when Wayne would make trips to Rome to cover the team, it was almost like every time he went, it was Alan Ron Hell pitching, so it was pretty hysterical. But I, I sincerely hope that he gets a shot, uh, just, you want a, a guy like that who's been grinding as long as he has. He's not a particularly old guy either. He's been playing for you know, he's been playing since he was really young, but you know, at some point he's gonna need to figure out if he's gonna get his opportunity or not. And I'm not necessarily certain that given the state of the Braves roster, combined with a lot of the guys that are ahead of him on the depth chart, if he'll get that chance with the lineup, which is kind of a bummer in a lot of ways, but also at the same time maybe it'll him an opportunity to go elsewhere and be able to show out for them. Uh last question, Garrett, uh and this is a good one. Uh, when do you see Jesse Franklin getting promoted, and do you think he will have another great season next year? Jesse Franklin, University of Michigan alum. Brad Rowland is the president of the Jesse Franklin Fan Club. My question: What level do we, does he start the season with next year?
1: It's pretty obvious. He's going to start at Double A. I mean, I think he's done well enough at High A, but I don't. He's definitely. I don't see any reason to push him to triple A at this point, especially with the guy you have up there. Um, you know, I think, I think that he will probably have a better hitting season next year. You can never project that high A to double A jump is very significant for hitters, but I think that he is so, he was so far removed from like playing competitive games because of injuries and stuff and the COVID going into the season that he wasn't a, you know, like you said, he kind of got gassed and wasn't able to hit all year and he kind of, it's hard to get back to being able to time up pitches. He was a really good hitter with Michigan early in his career and it's hard to get back to being able to time up pitches when you miss, you know, two years in a row. Um, and so for him, I think overall, you know, I think the strikeouts and stuff, ha- it's a good shot that the strikeouts and stuff will go down next year just because he'll be another year back and getting his timing back and that type of thing. Cause that is again, a long process um will he hit that many home runs you know Mississippi is a tough park to hit in and we don't really know the situation there but I I do think that I mean I think that we'll see some power because he hit some balls this year that would have been out in any park in the history of baseball I mean he crushed some baseballs this year so he's going to show some power this year I do think he will hit better um I'm more concerned about where the approach is because he hasn't walked a ton this year and if that trend continues, double A could be an issue, could be the situation where that really starts to become a problem. Um but I do think that he'll hit a little bit better. I think the power will still be there. You just kind of gotta see where that approach is and kind of how he makes that transition.
2: Yeah, I do think he ends up taking a step back next year. I don't think he's hitting twenty home home runs next year for as an example. Uh, and a chunk of that is just Mississippi, right? Like it's just we don't see twenty home runs hitting that part very often. Um and you know, I don't think that he's the same caliber player as a guy like like Shea Langley is an example. I just don't think that he's necessarily that that caliber of player. I like Shea, I like Jesse a lot. Um, I, I I am curious as to kind of what the hitting profile is because I think he may end up maybe that the average ticks up a bit because it, for starters, just like he had like a stretch where he was just so bad that it kind of dragged down his overall numbers. So I think that the he, he maybe the average is a little bit better. But I think you're right to be a little bit concerned about the walk rate and kind of what that approach looks like. But I'm willing to give him the benefit of the doubt, especially with like an off season to rest now, like, you know, this is kind of a long season. It definitely looks like he has been gassed of late. So maybe after an off season and kind of a, a really good season of just kind of getting back to playing regularly and all that good stuff that maybe he starts the year off better uh, than he did this <laughs> year. Sure, he ha- he'd have to really. Uh, it does it wouldn't take much to do that because he was just how rough that first month or so was. I think he'll end up being a, overall a worse hitter at double-A. Uh, how much that is is kind of the, op- is, is the open question. I think he can still be a, a really reasonable bat, uh in the outfield. But for right now, I'm not like necessarily fast-tracking or predicting that he'll, you know, get promoted to triple-A right away or be one of those guys. But, you know, I think he starts the year at double-A, and then we'll just kind of see what happens. And if he goes on another tear like he did this year, then maybe, who knows, maybe he gets a shot at triple-A, assuming there's actually an opening for him there. Well, Garrett, that's pretty much all we've got uh, for this mailbag episode. I want to thank all of our listeners for submitting questions for this one. If you want to make sure you never miss an episode of Ro- of Road to Atlanta, all you have to do is subscribe to the Talking Shop podcast feed. Where not only do you get this show, you also get the Talking Shop, Talking Shop flagship show hosted by the great Red Roland, sometimes with myself, sometimes with Scott Coleman, and sometimes with guests. And you also get the Daily Hammer, which is a, uh, a shorter form- format daily show hosted by the great Sean Coleman who has been doing great work kind of getting you guys updated as the day-to-day operations is what's going on with the Braves. Uh, Garrett, is there anything else you want to share with our listeners before we let him go?
1: Uh, Not at all. I mean, it's been a fantastic season. It's kind of crazy. We can go through, you know, a whole episode of getting asked questions and not even mention Michael Harris or True Waters. You know, it's that system is definitely getting deeper. It's a ton of interesting guys. Maybe not a bunch of elite guys, but definitely a ton of guys that we're really interested in watching.
2: Yeah, absolutely. Uh, we did, we did just mention them and I know that probably, uh, at least one of those guys may be listening right now. Uh, but we've certainly covered a lot of those guys over the course of the year. We've been covering, giving you guys a ton of coverage this year and as things wind down, I just want to take another opportunity again to thank all of our readers and all of our listeners for all the support they've been giving us over the course of not just this year, but all the years we've been doing this. We really, really appreciate it. It's allowed us to continue to do this and, you know, it's, it's, Folks like you that give us the drive to do this year in and year out as in depth as we do for you guys, really appreciate all that. Uh Make sure you follow the the, the podcast on Twitter at at Road the Number Two Atlanta. Make sure you follow Garrett at Braves M I L B. You can follow myself at Leprechaun with a K if you <laughs> have are, are more masochistic type and want to want to get a lot of Will Smith type updates uh, when he's in games for the Braves. But until next time, guys. Again, we're gonna start doing those system breakdowns. Probably starting next week with Gwinnett, assuming that everything's ended up by then and nothing, you know, nothing kind of gets in the way. So until next time, we'll see you on the
1: road.